హలో అండ్ వెల్కమ్ టు యూ మీ అండ్ ద ఇకానమీ హోప్లెస్నెస్ మౌంట్స్ ఇస్ ఇండియా గివ్స్ అప్ లుకింగ్ ఫర్ జాబ్స్ అండ్ ఫార్టీ ఫైవ్ మిలియన్ స్పెషలీ విమెన్ ఆర్ రిపోర్టెడ్ టు హ్యావ్ లెఫ్ట్ ది వర్క్ ఫోర్స్ హియర్ ఇస్ యూర్ వీక్లీ రౌండ్ అప్ ఆఫ్ ఇకానమీ అండ్ ఫైనాన్స్ Frustrated at not being able to find the right kind of job, millions of Indians, particularly women, are exiting the labor force. This is according to the recently released data from the Center for Monitoring the Indian Economy. The latest numbers are an ominous sign for a country that has been counting on its young workers to drive its growth. Between 2017 and 2022, the overall labor participation rate dropped from 46% to 40%. Among women, the data is even starker. About 21 million women disappeared from the workforce, leaving only 9% of the eligible population employed or looking for positions. The Center for Indian Industrial Excellence reports that more than half of the country's 900 million people of working age don't want to work again these statistics are at odds with the modi government's claims of vikas yet the government has not shown any sign that it registers this as a problem let alone trying to address it Meanwhile continuing its selling spree the LIC IPO is expected to be opened on the 4th of May and with that we will lose another pillar of social security in this country so far it has been obligated to serve the interest of the ordinary people the small policy holders but once in the hands of the investor it will only serve the purpose of profit changing its basic character altogether it will be directed more towards big policy holders and in urban areas but before that it is imperative that we highlight this scam Veteran journalist V Shridhar points out that the absolute base value of the LIC share based on its embedded value was estimated at rupees 5.40 lakh crore in September 2021. The per share base value for about 600 crore shares thus is calculated to be rupees 853. Now it is important to note that the embedded value of a life insurance company is never a reliable and full measure of its actual worth. Shridhar points out that this is why every insurer applies a multiplication factor to the base price to arrive at this issue price this multiplication factor for insurance companies has ranged from 2.5 to 3 times the embedded value and lic being the biggest insurer there was no reason for this to be any lower however as it appears the multiplication factor has been scaled down to just 1.1 times the embedded value so while a factor of 2.5 to 3 would have meant a per share price range of anything like rupees 2 1000 to rupees 2500 the scaling down to 1.1 brings the price or the share down to just rupees 938 while the original range of multiplication factor would have yielded rupees 47000 to 56000 crores the scaling down brings it to about 20000 crores the government has repeatedly claimed that the purpose of this investment is actually to raise crucial resources for investment but this scam yet again shows its real intent it is not to raise resources it is only to sell and to sell cheap to private investors and profiteers at the cost of the people these people the policy holders were effectively the real stakeholders of the corporation so far now this will change 45th meeting of the International Monetary and Financial Committee during the World Bank and IMF spring meetings issued a chair statement instead of a communique due to lack of consensus. The statement began with a preamble calling for a peaceful resolution to Russia's war against Ukraine, highlighting the UN General Assembly resolution, aggression against Ukraine and the massive humanitarian consequences 
and detrimental repercussions for the global economy. There were calls for strengthened multilateralism to prevent fragmentation. They seemed to be indicating a real concern about global polarization and its impact on the functioning of international institutions like the IMF. Yet, the IMFC said little of substance about IMF governance and quota reform potential avenues to give a stronger voice to underrepresented countries. The opening statement is more like a laundry list of issues at hand, with very little on new ideas on how to tackle some of these challenges. Climate change was clearly a core issue on the agenda and repeatedly highlighted. The statement welcomed the new IMF climate strategy and reiterated strong commitment to further accelerate climate action in line with the Paris Agreement. The group asserted that it will utilize policy mixes based on all effective tools ranging from fiscal, market and regulatory actions in this effort. Another significant international meeting, the G20 meeting of finance ministers and central bank governors during the World Bank and IMF spring meetings in 2022, was disrupted by a withdrawal from Western governments in protest of Russia's participation after its invasion of Ukraine without a compromise. Indonesian Finance Minister Sri Mulyani and the Bank of Indonesia Governor Peri Varzio spoke on behalf of G20 members at a press briefing on 20th April. In the midst of political distraction, Mulyani and Varzio aimed to strike a balance between acknowledging the challenging circumstances in which the meeting took place, while also acknowledging that the global economic situation is becoming more volatile. They prioritized reaffirming G20 membership's commitment to addressing rising food and fuel prices. They welcomed the creation of Resilience and Sustainability Trust and highlighted plans for a new pandemic preparedness initiative. Last but not the least, the case against IFC at US Supreme Court met with disappointing outcome. Yet the quest for justice continues. On April 25, 2022, the US Supreme Court denied a petition from a fishing community from the coast of Mundra in Gujarat, whose livelihoods have been destroyed by Tata Mudra Ultra Mega Power Project, a coal-fired power plant funded by International Finance Corporation, the private lending arm of the World Bank. The petitioners had asked the court to review a decision by the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals that had dismissed the claim citing that they had not shown the commercial activity exception to immunity. The petitioners were represented by Earth Rights International. This is a landmark case, Buddha Ismail Jam et al. versus IFC, which marked the first time that the communities injured by an IFC finance project took the institution to the court. In 2015, the petitioners sued IFC in federal court in Washington. In DC, challenging the IFC's claim that it has absolute immunity from suit in US courts. The issue went to the US Supreme Court, resulting in a historic decision in 2019, holding that international organizations like the IFC and the World Bank Group can be sued in the US courts, where established exceptions to the immunity enjoyed by foreign nations apply. By that decision, the petitioners argued that their claim could be proceeded under the commercial activity exception to immunity. However, the lower courts ruled that in this case, since the IFC's borrowers acted in India, IFC could not be sued in the US. The petitioners in seeking Supreme Court review argued that the decision was at odds with significant legal precedents and hence wrongly decided. Prompted in part by this lawsuit, the IFC announced a series of reforms. These included changes as to how it conducts environmental and social reviews, and also the functioning of CAO, its own internal accountability mechanism. 
these are important but remain insufficient as they fail to address past harm thanks for listening to this episode of you me and the economy we'll be back next week with another round of weekly updates on economy and finance